0: good evening brothers and sisters today we have come to part two of our ongoing series overcoming fear today being the 28th day of april 2020 let us pray our father and our god we thank you for the privilege of this fellowship we call upon you today to anoint your word speak to us and accomplish your purpose in our lives Let every hearer be blessed, and let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name, Amen. Last week, we began this series. We started by letting us know we have only one enemy or adversary called the devil. We also said that the strategy he uses to distract us from the plan of God for our lives is fear. Through fear, he tries to make a mockery of what God has said and continues to say to us. We also established that for you who is a child of God, even though there exists a spirit of fear, God has not given you that spirit. The spirit God has given to his children is a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of sound mind. The truth about this subject of fear is that every human being is faced with one kind of fear or the other at different stages of life. What you feared as a child may not be what you fear as an adult. As a child, you probably were afraid of lightning and thunder, but as an adult, you are not afraid of that, but are now probably afraid of losing your job, losing your reputation, Or maybe your marriage. As an unbeliever, you probably were afraid of masquerades from the village chasing you in your dream. But as a believer, you are afraid if you will be left behind if the rapture takes place soon. Fear has often been defined or described as the opposite of faith. While this may be correct in some ways It may not be correct in all ways I believe fear could also be described as faith Chasing the wrong things Faith, simply put, is complete trust or confidence In someone or something So, it's not that we don't have faith sometimes But just that we have it in the wrong things. When, for instance, you say, "I just believe something is going to go wrong," that is faith, but maybe a misdirected one. Jesus, while teaching us about faith in Mark chapter eleven, verse twenty-four, said, "What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that ye receive them." And ye shall have them The key word there Is believe What you believe You will receive Job Said in Job chapter 3 Verse 25 For the thing which I greatly feared Is come upon me And that which I was afraid of Is come unto me Job knew God Job Honored God Job had a relationship with God In fact, Job was described as an upright man who hated evil The Bible tells us in Job chapter 1 verse 4 That his sons organized feasts And would invite their sisters And they would eat and drink After they had finished feasting Job chapter 1 verse 5 tells us that Job would rise up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings because Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. We are not told he had an evidence that his sons sinned and cursed God, but it may be in other words he feared the unknown and this he did according to verse 5 continually job it seems to me suffered from a fear of the unknown or what otherwise is known as an anxiety disorder fear Of the unknown is an unpleasant feeling triggered by the perception of danger, real or imagined. Just the same way faith attracts objects of its focus, fear also attracts the objects of its focus because it is faith misdirected. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Let us put it this way. Job feared and the fear that he feared came upon him. Job worried whether his children will live long. Job worried whether as they are feasting they will sing. He worried whether they will get married. He worried whether they will be poisoned Job worried he probably came from worry there are lots of us believers like Job they worry when there is nothing to worry about in fact whenever there is nothing to worry about they feel something is wrong is it not interesting how You can be a Christian and yet be troubled by a spirit of the fear of the unknown. A lot of us are troubled by the unknown. Is the world coming to an end? Is 5G the cause of coronavirus? Are vaccines part of the plans of the Antichrist? Should Christians agree to be injected with the vaccine? The vaccine has not been made yet. Why does a good God allow bad things to happen? I would like to call all of these the unknown. But since there are questions agitating the minds of believers, where do we turn to for answers? I know some turn to social media for answers, while others turn to the media giants like the CNN, BBC, Al Jazeera, etc. for answers. But I can boldly say the word of God is more accurate and more up to date than all of the above news channels that I've mentioned or sources. The Word of God contains issues or answers that pertain to life and death, and very importantly, to matters of eternity. By now, I am sure most, if not all of us, can attest to this fact because we are now witnesses to the fact that experts and scientists can be clueless and even confused. So, What does the word of God say? Let me first of all lay the foundation of our discussion by first saying that sometimes men may not always have all the answers. Whether you are a prophet or you are a man of God. Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29. I read from the New Living Translation. It reads, The Lord our God has secrets known to no one We are not accountable for them But we and our children are accountable forever For all that he has revealed to us So that we may be able to obey all the terms of these instructions An interesting character or attribute of God Is that he does not reveal everything in his mind at once That is why Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2, Proverbs 25, verse 2 tells us, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out or discover a matter. When Moses cried out to God for God to show him his face, because as far as he was concerned, he had been spending time with God. God said to him, I will only make you catch a glimpse of my backside. When we read about Elisha, the powerful prophet of God in 2 Kings chapter 4, he too admitted even that prophets don't know everything. When a Shunammite, when the woman, the Shunammite woman came to him, whose child had just died, the woman believed the prophet would have known but the prophet told her very honestly in verse 27 of Second Kings chapter 4 That the Lord has hid it from me and has not told me In other words, God does not reveal everything to the prophet Paul, the apostle, the respected apostle of God Who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament He also told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 9 First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 9, that even then the prophets and the apostles know in part and prophesy in part. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was asked by his disciples when they were seeing too many things happening and we were hearing his prophecies, they asked him, "Master, tell us what day, what hour are you returning?" He told them that only my father knows the exact hour I am returning. I don't know the hour. I know the season, but I don't know the day and the hour. We can find all of these in Matthew chapter 24 from verse verse 3. And Jesus went ahead to discuss with them the signs that will indicate the season for his return. You see... God has the prerogative of what he reveals and what he does not. Sometimes also, when God reveals to his prophets the part that he wants, he sometimes does not give them the liberty to disclose all what he has revealed to them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 1 to verse 6, Apostle Paul was in a vision taken to heaven where God revealed many things to him. And I encourage you to read it. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 6. He said in verse 4 how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. We have heard our daddy, Daddy Geo, sometimes say to us that God has not permitted him to see all that God has revealed to him. What however is my point Whether God speaks through his prophets or not By and large God does not always leave us clueless As to how to respond to events Because he has provided us us with his word To guide us like a compass Through difficult times Because we live in a bipolar world A world where there is good and there is evil where there is right and there is wrong, where there is light and there is darkness. There's also bound to be false prophets where there are genuine ones. He provided us his word as a guide because false prophets abound. Prophets who capitalize on the fact that men are always looking for people who claim to hear from God. Just because someone begins a statement by saying, God has told me Does not mean indeed God spoke to him We have to Be careful what we hear And who we listen to This is not to say All we hear are lies Praise God We still have very Authentic men And women of God around But all I am saying is Be careful what you believe Be careful what you receive so that you are not deceived. First John chapter 4 verse 1. First John chapter 4 verse 1 reads. Beloved. Believe not every spirit. But try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. For example. One of our senior pastors said he had a claim by a supposed man of God. Who said that God told him that early next year. A big asteroid is coming that will crush the earth to pieces within the first three months of next year. When you hear such, you should just smile because God could not have told him any such thing. Why? Because God has already told us clearly in his word how the earth would end. Before the earth ends or before the earth melts, the gospel will reach the ends of the earth. There is also what is called the rapture. There is the millennial reign when Jesus Christ himself will come physically and reign on earth. All of these are yet to happen. And if they have not happened, why would the same God who cannot lie, the same God who cannot deny himself, why would that God now tell a man that in about nine months from now, He will destroy the world That can only be a lie From the devil intended only to deceive And to stoke fear Has the end come? The answer is no Are we in the end times? From scriptures I can say an emphatic yes We are in the end times the end, the end has not come Because there are certain things that must happen Before the end comes But that we are in the end times Is indisputable Because the signs are there for all to see Matthew chapter 24 From verse 4 I'll read to verse 6 Matthew 24, 4-6 Reads And Jesus answered and said unto them Take heed that no man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of words and rumors of words. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. I'm reading verse seven now. Sorry. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences, that is pandemics, and earthquakes in diverse places, all of these are the beginning of sorrows. He said, all these shall be the beginning of sorrows, the beginning of the end, not the end of sorrows. When the Lord Jesus was preparing to leave the earth He gathered his disciples and told them That all power in heaven and on earth Has been given to him by his father He now said to them I give to you the keys of the kingdom He further told them that Whatever they bind on earth Shall be bound by my father in heaven Whatever you allow here on earth Will be allowed by my father in heaven In other words, Jesus gave power to the church and was saying to them, you decide what you want and what you don't want. Even before Jesus came, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 13 and verse 14, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 13 and 14 tells us that when there is a crisis, just like the one we are faced with now, God said to his people, If my people which are called by my name Shall humble themselves And pray And seek my face And turn from their wicked ways Then will I hear from heaven And will forgive their sin And will heal their land So who are the people of God? The people of God is the church of God The church is not just our celebrated leaders, the bishops, the senior pastors, the general overseers, but the church is me, you, your brother, your sister, us, our ministers, pastors, and of course, our leaders also. All of us together are the church, his people or his children. Every child of God together make up the church. God handed the church over to his children and God expects his children to take charge of the earth. That is why he says, occupy till I come. We have an adversary, the devil. The Bible tells us he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom to destroy. Jesus himself told us in John chapter 10 verse 10 That the thief, which is the devil, came to steal, kill and destroy But thank God it did not end there He continued by telling us that however he has come That we may have light, life and have it abundantly The devil with his organization All they do is go about stealing, killing and causing destruction While the church of God, as an organization, is meant to put the devil in its place and stop him from carrying out his mission. The point of this discussion simply is, the world will become only what the church allows it to be. What you, me, your brother, your sister, your pastor, every one of us that names the name of the Lord. What happens is what we allow. Every one of us in our personal and corporate prayers we are meant to take charge. Yes, there are prophecies concerning the Antichrist. There are prophecies in the Bible concerning many terrible things that will happen. But you and I, in the place of prayer and in the way we live on a daily basis, turning from wickedness and living lives of holiness... Can delay the happening of these terrible things And the coming of the Antichrist Our prayers and our life, lifestyles Is what produces power to bind and lose on earth The scripture in 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 Says if we humble ourselves If we pray If we seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways There must be a turning You cannot practice wickedness And rely on the grace of God Jesus has handed power to us, the church It is our responsibility to use it Engage the power made available in prayers And righteous living The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man The Bible tells us avails much The New Living Translation puts it this way in James chapter 5 verse 16. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If the church goes to sleep, if you, me, all of us are at ease, the devil will run amok. He will go on rampage. But if we take our stand, We can hold him back so that God's will can come to pass in our generation. Coronavirus is the handiwork of the devil. That is what he knows best to do, to steal, kill, and destroy. If the church allows him, he will cause much devastation. But if we don't, his impact will be minimized or eliminated. And this leads me to the last point of discussion today Which is Why does God allow bad things to happen? Is it to cause fear? Certainly not Maybe to bring us to the place where we fear God The answer to that question is tied to the very last scripture We just read in James chapter 5 verse 16 Which is that The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power And produces wonderful results you see brethren, God does nothing except in answer to prayers. God wants to hear the earnest, heartfelt, burden-laden prayers of his children. I have often said in church, when you are not praying and yet good things are happening to you, it is either someone is praying for you or God in his wisdom and goodness allows good things To come to you in order to turn you to repentance. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Why does a good God allow bad things to happen? God allows bad things to happen because he knows that when things are going smoothly, our tendency as humans is to relax and ignore him. We feel contented when the economy is running smoothly, when there is stability everywhere, and generally life is sweet. At such times, we ignore God. We feel we have no need of God. But when God brings or allows a change We remember God and then run to Him In Psalm 119 verse 71 Psalm 119 verse 71 The psalmist said It is good for me that I have been afflicted That I might learn or pay attention to thy statutes This is also why Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2 tells us that we actually learn more while in mourning than when we are feasting. In other words, the things we learn in burials are the things we take to heart. We can see clearly that coronavirus is turning people to God. If for nothing else, because the experts themselves are confused and have no answers. Men are now compelled to turn to God. God does not always allow Or rather, God does not always change our situations. Rather, he uses our situations to change us. Everything happening has been predicted by scriptures. Which is why I earlier said, the Bible is more updated than the analysis of experts. Jesus himself predicted in Luke chapter 21, verse 25 to 26. That fear is what will be dominating so many people at the end times. It reads, Luke chapter 21, verse 25 and 26. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts filling them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Even though fear has gripped the hearts of many, we still recognize that there are still a lot more who have refused in spite of what is going on to acknowledge God. And that is where you and I have a role to play in praying for them, in preaching the gospel and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ to them, in showing them examples of godly living. For you and I, let us pay more attention to the word of God than to the word of CNN or BBC. What most of the news media do is to stoke fear. You spend time counting how many have been infected and how many have died. How the numbers are increasing. So many of us within this period of coronavirus know more about coronavirus in three months than we know of Jesus Christ in all of our lifetime what most of the news we do is stoke fear am I suggesting you should not listen to news of course not that's not what I'm suggesting all one is saying is mind what you listen to and as you listen guard your heart with all diligence David said in Psalm 101 verse 3 I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Wicked things does not refer only to pornography and such like, but also the news we hear and the news we watch. As I close, let me also encourage us at this time not to engage in foolish arguments. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 23 puts it this way. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23 Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. In other words, don't use this precious time arguing over non-issues. 5G or not by 5G Who is a prophet of God and who is not a prophet of God When will the world end and when will it not end It says that they are foolish and will only lead to hardening of position or strife Brethren, let us spend this time praying Let us spend it getting closer to God and seeking His face Let us spend this lockdown telling people about the love of Jesus so we can win them over. Let us spend this time meditating on the word of God so we can drive fear away and fulfill God's plans for our lives. These are what we should engage ourselves in so that after this lockdown, you and I will come out with value and substance. Remember... God has not given you a spirit of fear, but has given you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I pray that God's spirit will overshadow you. I pray that God's word will permeate your entire being. I pray that on the Lord's return, He will find faith in you, and you will not be missing in the mightiness of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, protect you, and make His face to shine on you. See you next week. God bless.